29 tanks drove through Baghdad. They just drove through unbothered, except for one of them, an IUD. All right, so a side row bomb just took it out. They didn't even take it out. It took the mechanics, like the wheels off of it or whatever they call it. And they dis, dis, disabled the tank. So the Americans torch it. You know? So they didn't leave it for the Iraqis or whatever. That was it. There was no resistance. They took over our country. We couldn't do nothing because they had Air Force. Nice airstrikes. They destroyed us from air. And they came swept in. Saddam Hussein went into hiding country went to frenzy, we don't have electric, we don't have water. They imposed a curfew. A lot of people don't know about this, but um, during that time, if you go out in a curfew, you're getting shot. Curfew is after dark. You're outside, going anywhere outside of your neighborhood, or if a American army patrol in your area, you're getting shot. A few people from my neighborhood got killed because of the curfew. A woman that was having a baby. And she was supposed to have it with a midwife. And the midwife, the baby had some complications. The baby head was the wrong or something. And then the midwife couldn't complete and she had the woman had to get a c-section so her husband drove and sadly they all got killed americans treated every vehicle on the road as a a, a car with a bomb in it you know so if they seen cars coming towards their checkpoints they just shot them Americans have checkpoints everywhere. This is what's our new reality in Iraq. Every road had checkpoints. And it was terrible. It was fucking horrible. Because you couldn't go anywhere. And especially at night, daytime. People are still terrified and scared and didn't know what was happening. We have a second family in Syria. My family roots go back to Syria. So we had a whole line of family in Syria. They kept urging my family to come, come to Syria, come to Syria, you know? And I wish we would have when we had the chance. But yeah, uh, America took control. My family was in panic, my dad didn't know what to do. While this was happening, um, my dad decided to take us on vacation to Syria. We have never left the country at this point. So, we decided to go to Syria. So, we found out it wasn't just a vacation. My dad had his eye on a restaurant in Syria that sells fish it's a it's a famous iraqi dish called masgouf this is when you um put a fish 
and spikes and put it in front of like a burning wood. It was really delicious and it was a very popular between tourists and Syria. So my father had uh, rented a a place, a restaurant, and with the help of some workers, he ran that business. You know, he had a restaurant. So we thought it was a summer vacation, but my dad took us there for business and vacation, I would say, at the same time. My dad rented a villa for us in the mountain. It was beautiful. And not far from there, we had our restaurant. I used to go there and help. It was pretty fun. I remember we had neighbors. There were some cute women. I started having crushes. I was young. I didn't know much about nothing. But I remember at that time my dad just got in a phone, a Nokia, that could receive videos or something. And I remember him showing his friends something. And then, and then I remember, like, I understood that there was something on my dad's phone that I was not supposed to see, you know? Because I, was, I wasn't old enough. So I finally got to it, you know? I, when my dad was sleeping, I took his phone and I locked it. And there was, like... A, a small pornography film or something. These are small things I remember, you know. My memory is not that well when it comes to everything that happened back then. But uh, Syria at that time was great, you know. Something different. Uh, it was beautiful. Uh, we lived in an area where there was trees everywhere that had fruits there were fruits everywhere the place was gorgeous we were so happy uh we i told you like we had a villa on a mountain and you could actually climb it so me and my brothers tried to climb it to the top every day but we couldn't until one day we finally did it you know but it took us so long i think we stayed there for a while until something tragic happened in syria we're in syria for two months already i would say um, my father's best friend and one of his business partners, Abbas, brought his family over to Syria. They got a, an apartment near our villa. And my mom and Abbas' wife were friends. And I had a crush on her too. She was hot. But, yeah, to the point. One day, my dad was driving, I suspect drunk. I don't know if that was the case or not. But it was a mountain area, so the roads were a bit tricky. And my dad and another vehicle got an accident head on. And my dad died on scene and they had to revive him, literally. But we woke up in the morning and my mom wasn't there. And our boss wife was there. And she told us, my, my mom went to see my dad in the hospital. He was he didn't feel well or something. And that day my mom didn't come back. My mom came the next day and told us to pack our things. We didn't understand what was happening. She said, your dad got an accident. And let's pack our things so we could figure out what's going on. 
my dad's family lived in Syria also, but they lived in a city called Deir Zor. We were outside of Damascus. We were outside of the capital of Syria, you know, closer to the, I would say, Lebanese uh, border, but a bit far from where my dad's family lived. And my mom was trying to send us there. My mom said that we'll have to go where my dad's uncles or whatever lived. People we never met a day in my life. So my mom, we, we had to go to a police station to sign some papers about my dad's car. And when we seen how my dad's car looked like, we were already scared for my dad. Because his car was completely totaled. They had to um, cut the car to pieces to get my dad out of it. Uh, later on, we found out that my dad um, broke his jaw, broke some of his ribs, broke his uh, left leg, left arm. They removed something from inside of him, a spleen or something. I don't remember what they moved. But, uh, yeah, my dad had died twice. Like, I want to say died flatlined twice after the accident. And they brought him back. It was absolutely terrible. You know, we, we came so close to losing my dad without even knowing it. That was just, we were just lost. We didn't understand what was happening. But um, one of my dad cousins that lived in syria was a doctor and he ran a hospital so uh, they decided to transfer my dad to that city so they could care for him so today i'm going to go over 10 minutes because yesterday i don't record anything so this is going to be many minute video or maybe 15 let's see so they decided to move my dad all the way to that city it was a seven hour drive or something like that I am not completely accurate about some of the numbers or some of the figures or stuff, but hey, I'm, I'm trying my best here. So we packed our stuff and we finally see my dad. My mom didn't want to take us to the hospital then, but we've seen him because an ambulance has to have to transport him. And we've seen them put him in an ambulance before we got on the bus. My dad looked like a totally different human. We couldn't even recognize him. He couldn't even talk. He was in and out of conscious. And he was, his face was skinny, but his, his, his jaw looked swollen and his eyes were blue and everything was fucked up. His hand is, is, is in a cast, his leg is in a cast. This is when I realized that losing my dad was not an option. My mom was strong, you know. My mom was tough. She 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 carried on like 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 nothing happened. I knew I could see it in her eyes. She was broken, but she couldn't break down in front of us. She couldn't. Because that would have been bad. You know, we were kids, we were young man. This is two thousand four maybe. 2005, sometime around that. At the time, I'm born in 93, so. <laughs> 11, 12 years old. 
My sister is 13. Everybody else is 9, 8. Everybody's young. I think my brother Jay was just born. Yeah, I think my mom had a newborn at the time. <sighs> yeah. So. We took that ride. We got on a bus. And my dad was an ambulance. And we took that ride to Deir To the city where my dad's uncles lived. We never met these people before. I just heard about them. So we finally get there. When we got there, we were welcomed. And all these women and men. And this is your uncle Mahmoud. And this is your uncle Muhammad. And this is your uncle Mustafa. They had the same names as my actual uncles. That who are my dad brothers, which is weird. <laughs> Muhammad. My uncle's names are Muhammad Mustafa. And what the fuck? Saleh. I, I'm forgetting these people's names. It's been a long time. My actual uncles, yeah. I haven't seen them in years. But yeah, when we got there to the resort where my dad uncles lived, we went to his aunt's house, my dad's aunt. And she had a daughter named Zayade. Her daughter never married. This was very uncommon for us. In our world, in our culture, in our country, women marry, and usually young, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, these years of marriage. This woman was in her late 30s, but she was never married. She had liver disease. She was sick. She looked sick. I'll always remember that she looked sick. She had that sick look on her face, but she had sad eyes. I was young, but I was very observant. I remember I was so when I was young, my mom used to take me to the Turkish bathhouse. There was one, one, one for women, one for men. My dad used to take me to the man with him. Sometimes my mom take me to the woman with her, with my sister, and. The woman told my mom not to bring me anymore. And that I had naughty eyes. Like, I didn't look at them with innocence. I'm saying this was, I was even younger than that time in Syria. No, no, I was young, seven, eight years old. But I looked at these women with, with I guess, with hunger. That's what they described it. So my mom never took me to the Turkish bath with her. So yeah, when I speak about eyes, Eyes could tell a lot about a person. I always look at a person's eyes. Sad eyes. Happy eyes. Sneaky eyes. I think I have all kinds of eyes now. Growing up, I've seen a lot. learned a lot. But yeah, they took my dad to this hospital. And my dad, when we used to go visit him, he was grumpy. He was a different human. My dad was always grumpy and angry, I would say. My dad was not always angry. He was formal. My dad was strong. My dad was tough. But seeing him broken, and, and he seen himself broken, he couldn't accept it, I feel like. My dad was tough on us, especially me. And 
That was too much for me to handle. I was fragile. I was weak. When I was younger, I was really weak. I was I was sensitive and weak. And my dad didn't like that. He tried to make me into a man. Which was all wrong. It was terrible. I'm a fucking man. I was shaping up to be one great man in my life, but my dad was too tough on me. He was. My dad's family took us in. They were nice to us. They told us my dad will get better. And, and he slowly started uh, regaining some of his strength. He got out of the hospital and they put him in his, his aunt's house where we were staying. He had a bed there, but like I said, he was just grumpy all the time because he couldn't move. He couldn't eat. He had to suck shit through a straw, you know. So that visit to Syria went to shit for us, you know. At first, we were having the time of our life. My dad was making good money. It was a nice vacation. And then bam, everything went out. <sighs> Apologize for yawning. It's 5.30 in the morning. I haven't slept yet. But I feel like this was like... Nah, I was going to say this is the turning point of our life. But the war was the turning point of our life. But this is where shit hit the fan for my family. This is where things got fucked up. This is where everything went to hell. We stayed in Syria for a while. We did. But my dad wanted to go home. He had to go home. He had business to take care of. My dad did many things. Many, many things. He was a merchant. He sold things. He bought things. Anything, everything. And even illegal things. No drugs, no. But my my dad was an arms dealer also. A big arms dealer. My dad used to sell antique guns. My dad used to sell the government guns. My dad was smart. Very resourceful. Very, my dad was powerful. People were scared of him and really respected him at the same time. And people didn't say no to my dad. I noticed that. You know, He didn't have to ask for things. People just gave it to him. He had that look in his eyes, you know. So, yeah. We met my dad's family in Syria. I didn't personally like them. I was never a big fan of family. I'll get to that later in life, in this story. But me, family, nah. Family are people that you're supposed to deal with and respect and all that things. But I don't look at it that way. I don't give a fuck who you are. Family, not family. If 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 I don't get the same energy or respect from a person, an elderly, an uncle, a grandpa, anyone, if they don't show me respect that I deserve, I don't care. I just bye-bye out of my life. So, yeah. I don't like family that much. On a note of family, so this was 20 minutes instead of 10 because yesterday I record, and I'll see you guys again soon.